Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name's Kurt Robinson. And my name's Aaron Battle. So today we're going to be talking about UFOs and how they interact with our world. Do they exist? What evidence is there? Is it good evidence? And people's prejudices against looking at the evidence. What is a UFO? It's, it's an it, unidentified flying object. And who believes in those crazy things anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, by, by definition, I think if, if you go by the, the strict definition, I think just about everybody believes in it. I've had this conversation with people like, people say to me stuff like, but I don't believe in UFOs. I, I say, really? Do you, I mean, do you think that humans understand absolutely everything that goes on in the sky. And they say, well, no. And I say, okay, so you obviously believe in UFOs because you think there are some things up there in the sky that are not identified. So by definition, like just about everybody believes in them. I've come across people that, that tell me they don't believe in UFOs, but I think those same people think that UFOs one word and, and not the U, the F and the O. That's yeah, for the yeah. unidentified. Well, some, um, some organizations and some people use the alternative acronym UAP or Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon uh, because it's, I, I guess partially because there's so much stigma associated with the, with the, the phrase UFO. Yeah, and sometimes, um, I mean, the examples you can see aren't really, they aren't real identifiable objects. It's like, mm. is it even an object or is it a smudge on the camera or is it a, or is it an, an, still, is, is still an energy object, orb? Not a flying one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think maybe we need more words. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why they, uh, that's part of the reason apparently they use the term unidentified aerial phenomena because it doesn't necessarily need to be flying. Um, but well, it does, it does specify that it's in the air. So when you, when you see people, or you, you bring up this topic, I mean, it's, mm. it's pretty often quite out of the blue, but, you know, the circles we partake with, it's kind of normal conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I don't really come across that many people that don't have something to say about it. Like, mm. I think most people are, are kind of, um, they accept it. They, they kind of accept like, okay, there's, there's a lot of UFO activity, but, and, what? Like, <laughs> so, I've got better things to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think, let's see, I think a lot of people in the world are like that. But it seems when I'm in Australia or in the United States, there's a strong prejudice against it. People will get very defensive if you bring up the word UFO as a serious topic of, of discussion. Yeah, they think you're taking the piss. <laughs> let's talk about yeah, something interesting or something real. Yeah, although they'll even, um, like, I remember I had one conversation where I started t talking to, to, to a guy at work and he's like, nope, they don't exist, nope, nothing about it, uh, they're not a thing. And, and I said, well, I, I've uh, done some research and, and uh, from what I've read, I, I, I think there is a lot of significant evidence there. And he said, well, I did my own research and there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And then I, I brought up the disclosure project and he said, what's that? Uh, and I was like, what do you mean? What, you said you did research. Research 101. <laughs> Disclosure Project is a project founded by uh, Stephen Greer. And the idea is to get uh, government organizations to release all of the information that they have about UFOs and aliens and, and uh, other perhaps extraterrestrial phenomena. Uh, and, anyway, so I said, what? well, the Disclosure Project is, you know, I explained that to him. And he said, it's a cult. <laughs> uh, I'm like, really? I mean, two seconds ago, you didn't know what it was. And now you're 100% certain it's a cult. What just happened here? How long um, were you talking to this guy for? 
this uh, this conversation didn't last very long. I wouldn't you, imagine. You might understand. Yeah, <laughs> less than three minutes probably. So, uh, so that's the kind of uh, intense prejudice that some people in Australia have about it. But in in Mexico, other parts of Latin America, uh, um, probably a lot of the non English speaking world, people will just be like, "Oh yeah, you know." UFOs, yeah, that's of you know, of course they're a real thing. Yeah. I get the impression you could ask pretty much anyone on the street, have they seen a UFO? Or if they don't say yes, there'd be something like just something weird. I'll start I'll probably tell you a story mm. of something. I feel like it's it's more common here to uh to interpret something as as like, you know, it's just a an out of out of this world experience or a, a UFO or something. Mm. I think people aren't they, they don't shoot you down. They don't just shut you down or they don't they don't just erase it from their from their mind. Yes. I mean I, I don't know. I mean I'm, maybe I maybe I hang out with some interesting people, but mm. I feel like in general the culture is more accepting. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's uh, if we get into a whole conspiracy theory about it. Uh, well, I mean, partly conspiracy theory and partly conspiracy fact. Uh, things in the United States, the, it, it seems that certain forces deliberately try to limit the discussion about UFOs. And uh, so, so to the extent where you can read transcripts where somebody suggests that there's a large disk floating over the control tower at an airport and uh, one of the pilots or one of the staff says, of course I can't see it. What are you, high? Of, of course I can't see anything up there. And even if I did, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> where, where was this documented? This, this is from a, a, a book um, that I was reading. It's, it's called UFO by Leslie Keane. And it's about um, pilots and other officials and, and people in the um, airline industry talking about their experiences with UFOs. Uh, that's, that's not really a response that I find surprising. <laughs> I think most pilots would want to keep their mouth shut. Yes. Well, most in the United States. Uh, and there are ca other cases like an airline pilot is playing golf with his boss and he says, um, you know, I, I saw a I did see a, an unidentified flying object once, and his boss said, really, that's a shame, uh, because we would like to keep you on the staff. <laughs> I mean, I, I believe it, but is, that, is it real? Or, or is that a joke? Uh, well, between... it's, it, it's a little bit of hearsay, but that's from that same book. Uh, and I, I mean, this book is quite well sourced. It's got people's real names in it, and yeah. Um, but then, contrary to that, in the UK, uh, pilots will say, "Well, of course, if I see um, something in the air, I'm going to I'm going to let people know about it because it could be dangerous. Uh, like if there's something unidentified flying around, you need to know because um, if it's like a controlled airspace, you need to know that you're not going to run into something." Yeah, there could be an anomaly with the with the technology that they use and all the instruments. There could be, I mean, for them to see yeah, it, yeah. I mean, the, the little windows on the on the plane, for them to see something, I mean, it could be could be something, uh, yeah, it could be something dangerous or something that you know could could be interpreted as something else. Mm. But why do you think that? Why do you think that's the case? Like, why do you think they, they don't want people talking about it? Uh, I don't really know. Now, this is a story that I have heard. And I, I just did a quick Google search, but I was unable to confirm this. But the the, uh, the rumor was someone from NASA brought in an expert, uh, like a, perhaps some sort of public relations expert or uh, so sociology analysis or an analyst or something like this. And NASA said, okay, so if we do discover UFOs, what's the best course to take about uh, breaking it to the public? And the analyst said, my best advice, deny everything. <laughs> uh, like, don't tell anybody anything about UFOs if they are real. Uh, I'm not really sure why they made that recommendation, if, if they indeed did. I didn't, I didn't get it. I mean, I'm fascinated 
by the whole UFO idea. Mm. Mm. Because, I mean, you don't, you don't know whether it's... Most people jump to the idea of aliens. Yeah. Some people jump to missions and uh, military aircraft. Mm. And other people just couldn't care less. Uh, I, I want to know more information about it. Mm. I, I stopped looking at it and stopped researching it. And I don't really get through reports because I feel like most of it's all... It's all misinformation or just bullshit. Misinformation and disinformation. And yeah, just the same stuff over and over again. Sometimes it seems like. And even. Like we can't get to the root of anything. And even looking for videos or any kind of. I mean, it's all. You just don't know what to trust anymore. Mm. I mean, and then that, that's the, the Apollo missions. <laughs> yeah, some of those. Some of those UFO videos look almost as real as the Apollo missions. <laughs> just saying. Or is it the other way around? Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what about hmm, Foo Fighters? Yeah, I, I mean, I brought that up because it's yeah. like, it's, it's documented well that there was uh, World War II, there's, they're flying through or Europe, Germany, and there's like, what are these flying energy orbs mm. beside me, above me, around? Mm. And uh, that, that, that was it. That was my history lesson. Mm. It's like, anyone interested in, in that kind of technology back then? I mean, if now no one talks about it, it's like, what's, there's, there's like a, there's a missing gap in my education. Mm. I don't know, you've, you haven't heard much about Foo Fighters either? Oh, that, that's about it. Yeah, that's, that's about the extent of my knowledge. I'm wondering if it was some kind of secret technology that the, that the Nazis had, mm. they, they probably wouldn't want the world to know that Germany had better technology yet. Yeah. It's pretty common that their cars are sweet. Yeah. It's like the, the engineers knew what they're doing. I mean, they, they still dominate in, uh, in engineering now. Yeah. It's like, who's to say they didn't have something that was covered up or borrowed? I mean, you, you mentioned the, the Operation Paperclip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that... Okay, that... So Operation Paperclip was, was an operation after World War II where Nazi scientists were extracted from Germany and taken to the United States and, and given cushy government jobs. I mean, obviously, they didn't stop their research. Yeah, I mean, they, just, they, they might have taken the paycheck and shut their mouth, but <laughs> if, they're, if they're producing good work, why mm. wouldn't they be put to work? Yeah, yeah. Some people say there are no allegiances in science, like it doesn't matter what country you're from. I mean, yeah, I can understand if they were really good scientists. It makes sense to do that. Uh, but some people seem very disturbed by that idea. I guess it depends what the scientists were doing exactly. I mean, they could have been doing some some weird shit where they're extracting uh, the uh, lungs from mentally disabled and trying to animate them apart from their body. Or so. <laughs> you, have you ever seen those videos of Russian scientists and they're animating dog heads? Oh, they're the, they're the bad from... guys, aren't they? Russian scientists? <laughs> I haven't in seen just them. about every movie. I haven't seen. Well, you, them. I'll show you this video later. I'll put a link to, in the description here because this <laughs> it's it's a pretty sick video, and uh, I'm I'm not entirely sure how uh, real it is, but it it looks pretty real. Um, if if they were doing it with puppets, well, there's, there's some pretty advanced puppets or some kind of camera trickery perhaps um but yeah they they i think they separate the they get a heart of a dog and they've got it there sitting in a test tube in a beaker and and like pumping stuff into it and then there's an, another one where they have the dog's head it's sitting uh actually it's been a while since i've seen this i'm <laughs> not sure how accurate this is the only thing i'm thinking about is pretty impressive when i saw it He's like that, those, those evil German, that evil German scientist that, mm. that tried connecting people. The movie, um, The Human Centipede. <laughs> okay. I haven't brought myself to watch it. I mean, your reaction, <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never seen it. I don't think I'll ever watch it. <laughs> no, I, I've, got, I've got no desire to watch it either. But it, it's kind of like extracting uh, the, the, the characteristics of, of mushrooms that are able to attack other organisms at a... At a 
genetic level mm. and then uh, and then splicing in different genes of, of other various plants that are able to change the DNA chain like that's that's sick but, but is it, why but, is it sick well it's just because you know you're you're planning things you don't know <laughs> yeah but that's what that's what all experimentation is yeah, but I mean, you, most of it. But then you don't label it GMO, give it a 9,000 fruit code and put it on the shelf in Walmart, people that eat and consume on a completely worldwide level and not <laughs> tell them about it. That's sick. Uh, yeah, well, that, uh, that's an interesting subject. The thing is, I, I mean, I don't think, of course, I, th I don't think you would agree that I don't think uh, governments should force companies into labeling what's in their food. Would you agree? Uh, well, I think there's probably a lot of companies that's, that don't know. Yeah. And, and that they're happy to Okay, label. yeah, that's a good point as well. Yeah. But the, um, the, the other side of it is, I mean, if you're, if you're buying good food, organic food, not, not that those two are always the same, but if you're buying good organic food, you'll probably know because you've deliberately chosen to do it. And, and a lot of the time, organic producers aren't ashamed at all to put the word organic on there. It is a double-edged uh, sword, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. I'm thinking of like, you, you know, your mom and pop's, you know, sauerkraut company. <laughs> okay. It's like <laughs> they have no idea what's actually in that other than the sauerkraut they left, you know, to ferment in their, uh, their basement and now they're selling it as like a superfood. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, are they going to really label their, their food correct? But, but then, but then there's no way they can know exactly what's what cultures have developed in it. It's like how far down the chain do you go? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting idea. Oh, so <laughs> anyway, we no, we're talking about um, government organisations and disclosure of, of UFO reporting and all those bits and pieces. Yeah, so you can watch the uh, the discourse of the disclosure project and they have it's it's about two or three hours long this entire conference that they released about 10 or 12 years ago and uh you you can watch the whole thing and a bunch of pilots and air traffic controllers radar attendants and all of all of these things from all over the world they all get up and they tell their stories about unexplained data or unexplained sightings mm. Mm. so the thing is they seem to range so much. Mm. Like uh, you can jump to conclusions, say that there's alien aircraft or, you know, there's interdimensional anomalies or there's, you know, military, <laughs> air, uh, military projects and aircraft. I mean, everyone mm. knows they've got stuff that isn't released yet. Mm. I mean, like, yeah. I feel like it's pretty common to, to know that, you know, the militaries of the world have aircraft that are so beyond what you jump on to, you know, fly your, you know, normal domestic or international flights that, you know, they could appear to be uh, an unidentified aircraft. Right. But that's, that would, that could explain some sightings, but if, if some of these sightings are accurate, like they have crafts which do stuff like fly at, at uh, a few hundred kilometers an hour or, or even a few thousand kilometers an hour, stop on a dime and then move off in a 90 degree direction. Yeah, I mean, public That's, awareness, Yeah, we're not, we don't know what that is. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think any government in the world has that kind of technology and, and a, lo a lot of these uh, pilots and, and things say, no, this, is, like, this isn't anything like what's being developed or what has been developed. This, this is, um, so they say the, the extraterrestrial hypothesis is quite a reasonable one. Yeah, it's, it's easy to- data is accurate. It's easy to jump to that conclusion. Well, it's not, it's not jumping to a conclusion. It's considering a hypothesis. It's, and that's, that's what they're doing. Like they're saying, uh, like if this thing isn't made by humans, then what is it made by? And, yeah. and you've, you're, yeah, the, the data strongly leads you to consider that hypothesis. See, I, I'm not, uh, okay, I think the puzzle piece fits, but I, I, I'm not exactly 100% sure that there aren't governments or there aren't some kind of secret project that might have that type of technology. 
that they might, you know, have access to it. What? And they've had it for like 20 or 30 or 50 years? Yeah. you think you believe that? Um, okay. I'm going to believe it's a possibility. Mm. Like, you know, I'm not going to say that. Well, firstly, let's say Roswell. That was like 60 years ago. Yeah. I'm not going to say that they weren't able to, to repair that ship or re-engineer it. Let's say if it did crash. But then, you know, I'm not going to say that, you know, it was, uh, that was like a some kind of Nazi time machine and they just put little alien dummies in there for a few photos, if they're even real, you know what I mean? Like, if the photos are real? What, well, wait, are there photos of alien dummies? Um, yeah, you, you can find photos of aliens, but then, you know, you can also find... Um, you wait, know, from Roswell, then? From Roswell? Um, no, not, not, I, I don't believe... No, I don't think I, so. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna have to look, but my, my point is, like, I, I like to believe in all possible... Mm. options but then i don't i don't invest in you know i'm not going to get up and say you know that's what happened yeah. so I'm, I'm just saying that it's a possibility that yeah. if there was alien ships crash at some point then there's there's no reason why a government office opens up this x project and yeah. was able to fly it yep well that's yeah a, lo a lot of people speculate that uh the government recovered uh, something like microchip technology, and that's that's the reason why technology has advanced so much in the last 60 years, that uh, the US government actually found a bunch of technology at Roswell and they're slowly releasing it over time. And there's, a, there's an interesting case, and I always forget the name of this, but I'll, I'll flash it up on the screen right now. It's something like the... Los Angeles Research Center or is it some some research facility in California and uh, the story is this guy's released these documents over the internet uh, to talk about his work there so he's released his an anonymous information and he's got some f photos of these apparently extraterrestrial devices uh, anti-gravity devices and well, not, not even anti-gravity. It's like complete control of gravity uh, because this, this device, uh, you can, it, has, it can be split into pieces and separated by space, like say um, 50 meters, or, or sorry, 50 centimeters or a meter away. Uh, but when this device is turned on, those pieces will be fixed in position 50 centimeters or, or one meter away. Uh, and and fixed fixed in position around this this object this motor or this this uh, gravity device, and actually it's it's very weird because a few years after I read that document, quantum levitation became a reality in the University of Tel Aviv. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about anti gravity. I mean, yeah, um, it's like that. That doesn't seem that out of. I mean, okay, anti gravity. You're insane. It's out of control. But then, you know, they've had like the floating, you know, magnetic lift bullet train for, since I was a kid. Yeah, but that's, a, that's magnetism. That's not gravity. That's something... Well, I, I mean, I guess the quantum levitation isn't exactly gravity either. It's, a, it's like an exemption from gravity. But See, you've, I, seen the ma you've seen the quantum levitation videos, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's, there's so many of them now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like starting to starting to become a thing and, and uh, in a few years that might be uh, large-scale technology when they, um, they still have to use uh, superconductors so they have to super cool uh, the um, material so they can get it to levitate like that but in in a few years uh, they might find a way around that and and uh, fixed gravity devices might be a common thing See, in my basic research of like Foo Fighters possibly being some kind of uh, technology that, that Germany had during the, the war, hmm. there, there are, I mean, there is information to say, I mean, you know, whether it could be imaginatory or not, I'm not sure. But imaginatory, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, yeah, that came out interesting. <laughs> um, it, it's like, yeah. it's, they, I mean, I found information to say that you know you just get this tube and you throw mercury in there and then you spin it around really fast, you zap mm. it with a bit of electricity, you keep it super cool and the thing just floats. <laughs> and I mean that's not that's not anti-gravity machines, 
that's just what they they talk about technology that Germany had, and this is and then there's like conspiracies on like the submarines that were carrying, you know, twenty thirty ton of mercury to their new new Schwanstein land or whatever it's called in Antarctica. <laughs> I can't remember. Okay. So um, that's the Antarctic base. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like you know, there, there's, these are stories, right? Yeah, that's what I'm led to of, There's a lot of rumors going on. But <laughs> if, if people are imagine like putting together their imagination and creating these wonderful fairy tales about Germany having superior technology based around mercury and and blah blah blah, they're building these ships in Antarctica, hmm. and then you know you look and you find these UFO videos where they where they talk about having these three these triangle shaped ships and having three anti-gravity engines that are in circular form and you know I've come across people saying that it's the same technology like you know it's not that hard to to bridge the gap between you know what they potentially had then or at least had the idea and I'm not saying they came up with it mm. I'm saying maybe the maybe there's more than just one crashed UFO that they're able to say, well, what's that liquid metal dripping out of it? Mm. But then, you know, it's just, it could be military stuff. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, UFOs exist and, <laughs> and we need more information about it. And why is it so taboo to talk about it or not talk about it? Or why is it covered up? And why doesn't the media cover this if it's such an, an interesting, possibly advancement in technology? Yeah. Like, why is it so, shh, don't talk about it. Well, I have seen more media coverage in the last five years. Like, there's been a couple of reports in on Australian news uh, talking about st strange objects in the sky, and and uh, just I, it's probably partly or even mostly due to the um, prevalence of video cameras nowadays and video cameras on phones. Uh, people can take this footage and send it to the media and and ask, "What the hell is this thing?" Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely shedding some light. I mean, access yeah. to to having a video camera in your pocket. Yep. Yeah. Of course, it's still very difficult, especially with a with a a phone camera. It can be very difficult to get any decent kind of footage with these these things without optical zoom. Uh, you take a picture of this thing, and it just looks like a dot, and you're like, "Well, oh, what's that?" Um, is it just a star or what? <laughs> or, or a smudge or a fly landed on your lens? Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, I, ha I have read uh, in, in this book, uh, this Leslie Keane book, that uh, these, some of these UFOs let out infrared signals. And so if you try to take a picture of it, it will actually more or less blend in with the environment, you won't be able to see it because of the way the, the camera works. So we're, we're unequipped. This is beyond yeah. us. <laughs> like, you, yeah. can, you know what worries me? It scares me that my, my knowledge on this topic hmm. seems to fall in line with trends in, in movie releases, <laughs> like Men in Black, <laughs> like, uh, like the, the Signal or like the last movie Signal. That was, that was interesting with all abductee type stuff, the fourth kind. Like there's a lot of alien. The fourth um, kind. Yeah, have you seen the fourth kind? No. It's like a, it's a, just briefly, it's, it's a movie about, um, you know, like the psychological effects and the damage it does to a community when there's a large group of people that mm. experience being abducted but don't know how to articulate what happened, ah. and it's like their memories being erased, so they have to put be put under some kind of uh, hypnosis. Yeah. And then they're. Uh, they, they relive the moment and they relive the experience and it's absolutely terrifying because they, whoever or whatever happened, whether it's true or not, it's in the movie, it's true, mm. they, uh, they, the alien's able to erase the memory and that, that just leaves the people feeling like, just feeling, I guess, violated. Mm. It's, it's an interesting movie, but my point is, my knowledge on this topic is basically back to movies which, which is a concern because... So you're saying we're being manipulated by Hollywood? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Because I don't know anything about aliens. <laughs> I, I, I have no... Well, we've, uh, we've researched a lot outside of movies. We haven't just watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind and be like, yep, that's the real the, shit. The fourth kind. No, but I mean, my, my point is you can do all your research, but it's kind of, you can see how movies also do their research. 
mm. and just you know join the dots and paint it the way they want like that that's kind of the collective awareness yeah so you know yeah. all, all of a sudden you talk about you know different types of weapons and aircraft and you know government agencies and they're like man you watch too many movies <laughs> and that's the end of the common conversation okay well that's like on that episode of of uh stargate sg1 where one of the guys who was somehow in, involved in in their explorations uh gets a job at a screen as a screenwriter on a tv show and then he uh and then he starts um incorporating all these themes subconsciously into his screenplays and uh the boss of the of sg1 says oh well you know this means if we ever get exposed if anybody from the inside starts talking about it we can just point to the show and say this guy's a kook he thinks this tv show is is real (laughs) this shit actually exists yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that episode. It's like it's just like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, and, and you're like, now you're fucking with us. Like, what if the, uh, what if what you're talking about is actually real, and you're using this show to cover it up? <laughs> now, now we talk about like ancient aliens and special geological sites that well, also reference this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter, and listen to us on iTunes or Pocket Casts. Welcome back. So we're being played. <laughs> sort, of, sort of appears like. Yeah, we're all being manipulated by Hollywood. Well, uh, I remember um, there was that. Yeah, so in the 80s, there was that movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And then... Uh, who was it? I think it was Spielberg who directed it. And then later he made that TV show, Taken, which is about people get, getting abducted, um, a bunch of Air Force pilots getting abducted in the, and uh, they um, they have to confront their experiences, like what the hell happened to us. Um, and a similar thing to, to what you're describing with the fourth kind. And... and uh, the thing was, people look at them and they say, "Wow, look at this huge change over the years in in the in the way the subject matter is treated." Like, if you look back at Close Encounters of the Third Kind, it looks very simplistic, um, but now there's all this depth to it and and uh, different ways that he he looks at the the abductees. Yeah, it's all very. There's a lot of uh, psychoanalytic, you know. Um Mumbo-jumbo. Yeah. It's, well, I don't mean to be on me, but it does seem like, you know, all of a sudden all the, all the you know, later movies are all about um, psychiatrists and, you know, mentally uh, ill patients and how mm. it's like it, it's taken more down that social road. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, one work on the subject, which I found rather candid, is Communion by Whitley Strayber. And Whitley Strayber was uh, a fantasy or science fiction horror writer. And then he, he purportedly was abducted by strange beings. And it's, it's interesting, too, because the way he describes it in the book, he's quite rational about it. Like, he never says, these are definitely extraterrestrials or anything like that. He's, he says, these things, you know, this, this is what happened. The interpretation is is another question. Like he even is constantly saying, you know, is it a fantasy? Is is it reality? How how real is it? And yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm just thinking of like lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. I, I know uh, I know that a topic pops up every now and then, and we we chat about it. But there's yeah. and I mean, the the uh, the old hag. Yeah, I mean, who's to say old that hag syndrome? Yeah. That people talk about some kind of. Uh, I don't know, light for going over their house. I mean, are they even consciously in this reality? Are they even awake? Or is that like a, a daydream and they interpret something and just because they lose track of time, it's something significant? Well, there are a few things about this case. If, if everything that Strieber says is accurate, then uh, I would say there's definitely more to it than just old hag syndrome or a lucid dream or you know something a little more mundane than that. Uh, because um, he did go to a doctor 
after one of these events and the doctor told him, uh, you've been raped anally. Uh, and that's, that, that's, I mean, it's possible that something like that could be psychosomatic or I guess self-inflicted, but, um, but that's one thing. But then there's also the, the fact that his, uh, his children also seem to be influenced by the, the same, uh, the, the same events when they go out to the cabin, uh, sometimes they see these things, they see these lights, um, sometimes they, they even see the beings. Um, so if providing what Strieber says is accurate, yeah, there, there's something more going on there. I think that this kind of phenomena does, I mean, because it, it can leach into different areas mm. and it isn't very, uh, I mean, there's, there's next to no like heavy knowledge on mm. this stuff where it can be put into categories and separated from uh, a crazy guy telling a story to mm. something that, that may have actually happened. Like where there's physical evidence, mm. I mean, of course, it's so easy to discredit this kind of thing, but it's because it's so just way out there that people don't take it seriously as a collective. Like I think it's, I don't think the media is doing their, their job correctly in, mm. uh, in covering this kind of information in a way that doesn't leave the person involved feeling like they're, uh, they're, they're loopy. Right, well, when they made the movie of Communion, Christopher Walken played Striber and uh, Striber said to, to Walken, look, I, I think you, being a bit over the top. I mean, it even looks like you're portraying me as crazy. And Walken just said, well, if the shoe fits. So <laughs> in a way that was a, a simplification that he um, enacted through that role. And then, yeah, but that's a movie. Yeah, that's a movie, but that's a way that, that our, our consciousnesses are ashamed uh, yeah. to think about this, this uh, subject, yeah. It's a movie, but, you know, it's based on the book, and the book is purportedly a, re a real event. Well, it's a shame if they play it down like that. Yeah. I, I haven't seen the movie okay. at all, but it sounds like something, you know, within the realm of what I'd be interested in. But similar to, uh, say, with John Ronson's book, Men Who Stare at Goats, and then it was made into that movie with Ewan McGregor and George Clooney, and, and it makes it into this kind of comical thing and none of the none of the questions almost none of the questions in the book come out in the movie and it's almost like um this is this is the thing like who who tells the history is it the historians or is it the storytellers the storytellers normally it's the storytellers like say with shakespeare who, you know, which versions of, this, of, of uh, Shakespeare's stories do you remember better? Like the real version of uh, King Richard III or the play or, or which version in here in Mexico, which version of the, um, the, the Spaniards coming to Mexico and meeting the Aztecs is remembered better? The Weeping Woman. I know the one, there's like so many folk stories about it. People see it. Nearly every creek yeah. and nearly every river has, a, has their own story, their own version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this weeping woman who's seen all over Mexico. But, but my point is in the play, uh, what happens is the, the Spaniards come in and the, the Aztecs are seen as the good guys in the story. Uh, La Malinche is seen as, the, as a traitor to Mexico. And that's like the, the simplistic version of the story, which you get. Actually, it was a bit more complicated. The Aztecs were not nice guys. <laughs> I mean, at, at least the, um, the more powerful ones. Yeah, they, they paint her in the, I mean, in, the, in the common story to be like a whore, that was yeah. the traitor. Yeah. But, then, uh, but in the more traditional story, or maybe the real version, mm. uh, she was really quite a, a, like a linguistic genius. Hmm. And, you know, they, they felt they, then it's a love story. Hmm. But there's so many different versions of that, depending on whether you want to, <laughs> depends which way you're invested. Yeah, yeah. In the popular consciousness, people say Malinche or Malinchista to, to mean someone that's a traitor to their own country or, or that prefers foreigners uh, to someone that, that's from their own country. And that's, um, 
that's definitely a simplification of that story. There's many aspects to it. So, the, yeah. Well, using, using that example and, and jumping back to UFOs, what's the, what's the, the mass media doing in this case? Uh, like with communion? Well, like, um, well, I'm, I'm talking like... They just like, portray Stryber as crazy and then, and then, you know, that was how they left it. So they're able to dismiss a possible phenomena that's going to be, that's going to leave anyone else from then onwards that's, that experiences anything like that. As it's, exactly. So Stryber releases the book Communion. It's candid, honest, asking questions. They turn it into a movie with Christopher Walken portraying him like he's a lunatic. No more questions, right? Yeah, well, that, that's the easy way out. Mm. And then everyone else after that's just a nut. Yeah, don't don't listen to them, or they yeah. they're too scared to ask for help or or release their own story. Mm. And there's pretty many of these stories. Yeah, well, I'm sure there is. Yeah, isn't nothing's a, a one-off case. Mm. We'll do another episode on this. Uh, well, I want to read the project. Blue Book, we're each going to read it and, and uh, give an analysis or talk about our favorite cases from it. We haven't read it yet, but the rumor is this, that uh, the, the project was set up to investigate or the stated intention was to investigate cases of UFOs, but the, the people they chose to head the project were actually the most hardline skeptics that they could find. They're, well, not even a skeptic, that's not the right word. These were people who were willing to dismiss any evidence uh, that came up about UFOs. And so the, the story is that in the book itself, in all of the cases, there is mountains and mountains of, of evidence which um, warrants further in investigation. But the conclusion written by these people who headed the project is that there isn't any evidence and it doesn't warrant further investigation. And of course, when the press got a hold of that, they read the conclusion, they didn't read the full report, and that was that. Um, that was the story that came out. That was how the, um, how the US government told the story. Well, you told me there's 500 pages. So, well, that's a, I, I haven't read it. I don't know how many pages, but it, it's, qu it's quite long. Yeah. yeah, I mean, of course, it's, it's about anyone that would have put it together would have wanted to get information out or mm. they would have, they put, would have put a lot of work into it. So there's a lot of stories and a lot of yeah. processing. So, yeah, yeah you know, we'll, we'll check it out. We'll read it and, uh, and follow up the, the UFO, I guess, um, encounters or <laughs> episodes. Because, Chase the scoop. Yeah. Because, I, I'm, I mean, I'm concerned that maybe I'm being... You know, I'm being too uh, too Hollywoodized, and uh, you know, I want, mm. I want some real information. But uh, I think I asked you a little while ago whether you have a, a UFO uh, episode that's your favorite, or is mm. there something that, that you know that you that you kind of feel like you know this one was cool? And you mentioned the the light over over Norway. Yep, yep. So a few years ago, about three years ago. It was around 2012, 2013, there was a news story about a spiraling light over Norway. And uh, it looks very weird. You can still find the footage. Um, we'll put a link in the description here. And it was strange because later, uh, a couple of days after the story came out, the official explanation was this was one of Russia's missiles. Is that the only official explanation? As far as I'm aware, yes. Like, it's, it's not like the Batman sign <laughs> like started spinning or something? <laughs> because, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not just a cloud formation. It's, yeah. not just a, it's not just like, oh, the moon reflected wrong off, you know, some kind of something on yeah. a satellite. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's a serious, like, that's, it's a pretty clear spinning spiral. Yes. And I'm not sure how a missile would even make that. Um, but then it, again, it's this thing like it, it ends the conversation somehow like, oh, that's, that's a Russian missile. But wait, I mean, even if that, even if that's accurate, if we assume that's accurate, we've got to start asking a lot more why, questions. Why is there <laughs> Russian missile testing leaving anything yes. above Norway? Yes. I mean, do you think the Norwegian people bought that? <laughs> yeah. I, apparently they did. <laughs> Yeah, well, I did ask my buddy in Norway about it, and I think his response was that he hadn't heard anything about it. Um, so that was interesting again. Uh, but yeah, why, why is Russia firing 
test missiles at Norway. Like, that doesn't seem like a cool thing to do. It actually seems like they're about to instigate some kind of war, um, you know, some kind of international incident. Do, what, do you think maybe the, the media of Norway just didn't advertise it or didn't play it, didn't question it? Hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And, and that requ would require more research. I don't know. I might ask the, the question to a few Norwegian friends, see, what they, see if they know anything about it. Because by the sounds of it, they, they probably haven't heard of it either. Mm. Yeah, maybe not. But it, it appears like, um, I mean, the Mexican government and, uh, and media seem to cover a lot of aliens and well, UFOs. Yeah. Sorry to throw aliens in there. But uh, it's only because you know, I'm a little biased that way through my readings with... Um, with Drun Valo, Melchizedek, he, uh, he talks about uh, a lot of like spiritual uh, awakening of the planet and different, uh, you know, different episodes like that. And, mm. you know, I recently read his book, um, The Serpent of Light, which talks about his adventures through the central um, Mesoamerican area where he was visiting pyramids. And, you know, he's, he's, uh, his background's, you know, like native Indian. So, of course, you know, he's, he's tuned to those energies and, and all that kind of thing. Indian, um, when you say Indian, you mean Native American? Yeah, like Native American Indian. Okay. I just kind of, I, I blend them all together because, um, because I feel like all these tribes were all like the one people, just in different areas, but I probably should be more specific. <laughs> uh, so, so now he's opened a school with meditation and things and trying to um, you know, find the sacred space of the heart which I think is pretty linking to these kind of phenomena. The only, the only way we're going to get truth about it is if we start exercising things like remote viewing or, uh, or lucid dreaming and posing the questions in that level. But the reason why I mention um, Drunvalo is because he actually says that there is a crystal city of another, I'm going to say alien because another level of, of life in a crystal city that's like a level of like light being consciousness underneath Mexico that's accessible through the, the volcanoes. And that's all, you're pretty wondering why that's even relevant. But that's interesting <laughs> because Mex in Mexico here, there's so much news on alien UFOs mm. around the volcanoes and activity. I mean, the, the, most, the most popular is the, the pyramid, uh, the, if I, I'm going to say this wrong, man, Popocatépetl. Sounds good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is the main, which is the volcano of Mexico City. And there's like, there's at least six different types of video um, through 2012, 2013, 2014. Um, and then there's, we've, we've found a recent one uh, of, the uh, of the volcano in uh, Colima that was like only last month. And uh, but I'm not sure how credible that video is. The the horse-shaped <laughs> yeah. horse UFO. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. it, it, uh, that, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. But the point is, if you check out the ones in Mexico City, it looks like, uh, I mean, it could be almost a kilometer long, this light that's flying straight into the volcano. I mean, anyone's interested in checking out, like, UFO footage, that, that's one that's, like, apparently legit. I mean, they're talking about, like, a cameras that are watching this volcano because it's, you know, it's been like semi-erupting for like a few years now. So everyone's watching it. And then there's like these videos of, of these light orbs that do this spiral entrance or that fly out or that are flying in. And uh, I mean, putting that together with what Drunvalo is talking about, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm not sure how much research is going into that, but I mean, it's left me scratching my head and I'm, I'm interested in checking out more info about that, but why, why do they investigate? Or they, they put on the news and they leave it at that? I, I know <laughs> what, the, are, what are they going to do, go into the volcano? <laughs> well, at least, um, yeah, why not? Can, can, they, can they do that? <laughs> like journey to the center of the earth or something? Well, I mean, I think some people try to do like these meditation trips and, and journeys. Okay. But, I mean, but, okay. that, but that, that's just someone's dream time, right? I mean, that's not credible okay. at all. So you want us to try remote viewing or residual viewing inside the volcano? Done. I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do that too. Stay, right. uh, stay tuned. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the, the government here in Mexico, the, the military openly release, they, they opened up all their files mm. on, 
on UFOs and, and footage and stories and their reports. Everything was opened up. Really? The Mexican military and Air Force they yeah. released everything? Yep. And all their... Wow. Um, and okay. I mean, they were, they were very uh, cooperative with the Disclosure Project as well. And all their um, all their artifacts of their ancient civilizations that had they've all opened up as well. And there's quite a few videos with with um, Nassim Haramein. Mm. He's uh, he's a professor at the university in um, in Hawaii. I'm not sure what the university is called, but he, he has a lot. He studies a lot to do with like physics and space. And he presents. Uh, he does a presentation on the artifacts that were that were released. From like from many Mayan sites, that quite clearly document alien ships. Uh, you, you haven't seen that? No, I've watched Ancient Aliens with uh, Giorgio. Oh, what's his name? George. He's got a Greek name. Anyway, I'm pretty he, sure it was Aliens. <laughs> yeah, everybody's seen the meme. Everybody's probably seen the show. But then there's a very good uh, documentary on YouTube called Ancient Aliens Debunked. And it goes through and, and lists several reasons why the um, ancient aliens doesn't hold up to scrutiny. And, that's a, um, and he brings up a lot of excellent points. Um, I'm still very interested in, in the idea. But I, I'm not sure how much evidence there is to, to support the idea of ancient aliens on Earth. Well, I, I know their mathematics were, was out of this world. Well, it's true, yeah. Oh, there is that, actually, there's that one case of the Dogons, uh, this tribe in, I think they're called Dogons, the, the tribe in Africa. And they had all this ancient um, astronomical knowledge and uh, predicting the, the path of all these planets and these things could not be seen with the naked eye. Uh, and then when people ask, so how did you find out about this? And they say, well, the aliens told us, of course. Uh, and, and at that stage, everybody says, oh, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's um, a very interesting but, case because yes. it's quite broad. I mean, the mm. things they talk about, the masks they wear, these long, big, long, tall masks mm. that, that were apparently to mimic the, the aliens that apparently arrived. Mm. It seems to be common culture that they know exactly where the, the stars or the, the star system Sirius is, like, like just through the community. They all know, like, there it is. <laughs> that's, our, that's our gods. You know, that's where they come from. <laughs> and, um, you know, they also, uh, David Icke, also, he covers the, the Dogon hmm. people quite well. Uh, well, he, he talks about like the, the moon, the way they talk about it as that's an egg. And it's like, okay, cool, you know, primitive, basic, like basic people look at a big circle in the sky and call it an egg. Hmm. But they descriptively, descriptively describe it as an egg because they, they say the aliens brought it here and they hollowed it out hmm. like an egg. So, I mean, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's easy to say, you know, they, they have information that's, that should be beyond them, but then it's how much do you want to give them credit for? Mm. And then, you know, what information do you want to listen to and what don't you want to listen to? Mm. Because I'm not sure if they covered that in Ancient Aliens. I, I, even, I kind of got over it. Yeah, I don't know if they touch on that one. Yeah, but there's, they made a lot of episodes of that show. Um, and I think they... Yeah, it seems like they have so much material, but I think they squeeze a lot of things in to make it seem like it supports their hypothesis better than it actually does. Um, yeah, so another interesting thing is the French version of NASA, the, the French um, Space Commission, CNES, uh, has a subdivision called GEPAN, G-E-I-P-A-N, uh, which is uh, a center for investigating uh, UFOs. And the, um, an interesting th thing about this is that they have four classifications of UFOs. The first one is, is identified, and it's, it's kind of funny sometimes because they, <laughs> they list things in there like you, you'd expect, like model aircraft and, and model helicopters, drones, but they also list things like reflections off car windows and i have to think who, who the hell reported that who who reported a reflection off a car window as a as a, a ufo um anyway the classification b is 
probably identified, classification C is insufficient data, and classification D is unidentified, truly unidentified, uh, like they don't know what it is and they don't even know who to ask to determine what it is. Um, and it used to be, I've, I've been looking on this site for years, it used to be that 22% uh, of their cases were classification D. Now it's, it looks like it's less, it's about 10%, but that's still quite a lot. They have hundreds of cases on there, so, so we're talking scores of, of cases that are unidentified uh, just within France. So I think that... Well, my, my comment on that was, why is it only like, you showed me the site where it had all the officers that were, that were researching this, this kind of phenomena. And yeah. There's only like 20 odd yeah. officers. And then, they, then you got to think of the ones 20 that... 20 different organizations around the world, like CES, CTI, and yeah, a few other organizations. Yep. But, uh, but then, you know, you got to ask you, why are they shutting some of these down? Or are they really getting shut down? Like uh, I mentioned that the, the UK shut down their, their investigations into UFOs and, you know, other... Hmm. Other kind of, you know, but which which organization are you talking about? The Ministry of Defense or the Air Force or, or um, which part? Um, well, whichever whichever one looked after, like alien stuff. Okay, because there was a yeah, there was a case. I remember, uh, I, I think it was ten or twenty years ago. They they ended their program and they said that. Like, I think it was the Ministry of Defense. They said we'll no longer be accepting uh, any information about this because as far as we can tell, there's no threat to national security. But that's, that, I mean, they, they never said that it, there wasn't any validity to it, just that it wasn't a threat. It would have made more sense to say that we don't have the budget for it anymore. <laughs> Full stop. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, apparently, the, I, I, didn't, I do remember hearing in, in some documentary that it was just one guy at a desk and he's sitting there taking calls and, and, and then he's that? like, you know, I'm wasting too much time on this. <laughs> Isn't that X-Files? <laughs> so, might, I might have been getting it confused. <laughs> so, they, so they gave him a, a sidekick. Did you, you, that, yeah. you watch X-Files much? Yeah, I used to watch it all the time. Yeah. It, was a, it was a cool show. Like, it, yeah. was, it was interesting. Maybe a childhood of X-Files is why we think the way we think now. It's like, I want to know what's going on. And, and none of that. Yeah, why, did, why did Chris Carter start thinking that way? Um, but they're actually bringing it back for six episodes, you know? Really? Yeah, I, I, I haven't season. heard that. That's, yeah. that's an exclusive. Yeah, he said, uh, Carter said, oh, just think of it as a really long commercial break. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so well, what, these episodes must be, I mean, if they're going to do new content, there's like mm. a lot has jumped between then and now. Mm. I wonder what they're going to do. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. So the, uh, a few months ago, about six months ago, there was a press conference with uh, Russian Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev. And uh, he said that uh, apparently after the camera stopped running or after he realized that the... the um, but when he thought that the cameras had already stopped running, he was still answering some questions from the journalists. And someone asked him about aliens, and he said something like, "Oh well, I know. Um, yes, I know there are there's many uh, different information about." Uh, <laughs> I'm doing a German accent. It's not a Russian accent. Uh, there's a lot of different information ab about uh, UFOs, and you can check the very reliable, high quality documentaries. Men in Black, and <laughs> everybody laughed. Um, there, and about a month ago, people came out saying, ah, he wasn't actually talking about the Hollywood movies. He was talking about this Russian documentary, um, which I, I watched this Russian documentary also, but the same name, it's called Men in Black, and it just goes through a few witness accounts. None of them particularly interesting. They're just visitations by... Um, uh, by some men wearing black and people telling them not to, uh, not not to worry about it. Some ab abduction stories, but uh, um, might be worth watching once. But I didn't think there was anything particularly interesting about it. Uh, then, yeah, I asked my friend, "Is is this is um, Medvedev really talking about a documentary?" Uh, my my Russian friend Svetlana, and she said, "No, he's, I listened to it." 
he's just making a stupid joke and that's it so that's not uh, from my limited investigation i can tell that's a dead end that's that, not very that's a shame because yeah. <laughs> I, I was kind of hoping that men in black was there was more to it i mean uh, was, that, that uh that the hollywood movies were based on something real yeah we well, just got to travel through like you know the the um homeland security experience of traveling through the u.s to think mm. who are they looking for like these mm. these machines are they really going to see anything are they just are they scanning my my biological Testicles. makeup yeah <laughs> messing up my kids <laughs> or are they trying to figure out where the aliens are hiding mm. like, that, those machines what, what, are, what are they what are they for and what are they i doing? don't think that has anything whatsoever to do with that <laughs> I think it's all about security theatre and people getting on the government's paycheck and uh, increasing GDP and, and making a show out of terrorism to get people framed. I, I don't think, I mean, I don't think they could invest in Hollywood come for that. Into that at all. Yeah, well, they do, they do that as well. Uh, okay. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, that, I mean, okay. let me have a look. I think I've covered... Most of what right. um, what we're saying. Well, there's another one I wanted to bring up. Have you seen UFO Yahweh? No, that sounds okay. interesting. Okay, so there's this, there's this clip on YouTube where a reporter goes out and he, he's been told that uh, somebody has contacted the, the um, TV station and told them that there's a guy who can summon UFOs. And he goes out there and then he acts all surprised when UFO Yahweh actually does summon some UFOs and, and there are some UFOs floating around in the sky. I, I have to wonder what this reporter expected the story to be uh, <laughs> before the UFOs came along, but he, he does appear to be genuinely shocked. Um, and uh, UFO Yahweh is like this big African-American, maybe he's a Rasta type dude. Uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, they're heading, you know, these U UFOs heading toward the airport. They want to be seen. Uh, Are these like little black dots? They're little white dots. Okay. To me, I think they might actually just be balloons. And <laughs> UFO Yahweh has an accomplice. Uh, you know, <laughs> 500 meters down the, the road. Bushes. Yeah, yeah, two or three, three, five kilometers down the road, release some balloons and, and then they can <laughs> let them blow in the wind and say, ah, oh, they're UFOs. <laughs> well, Greer does kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. He, he goes through a process of some kind of, um, you know, meditation, uh, mm. lifting frequency, consciousness, and then uh, inviting. The, the UFOs to show themselves as if they're in some kind of superimposed dimension and yep. they're able to like just show themselves in our reality or not. Mm. I don't know. Well, what do you make of that? Because I know he gets a lot of criticism. I, I don't know. I, I have, I haven't seen him interviewed about it, but I have, uh, what I've heard is they do get some results. Um, it's not with any consistency, but something happens yeah that's that's all i've heard you know i, I feel like it's um oh, i mean it's, it's i feel like it's a genuine footage but how many times do they have to do it to see some kind of yeah, well, visual anomaly oh. it only takes once right that's a <laughs> yeah well that's yeah, yeah, <laughs> if it's exactly. real shit it only takes once it only takes once for for your uh if for your pencil to float off the uh off the bed to make it, to make it, to make it so, real. Yeah. To make it a valuable information. Interesting piece of data. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just quickly, another thing is Edgar Mitchell, ex NASA astronaut. Uh, he's another, uh, very much a proponent of UFOs. He talks about them a lot. Uh, I notice in every interview he has to say, um, this has nothing to do with NASA because he doesn't want to uh, drag their name through the dirt or make them cut off his pension or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I suppose he actually saw some things when he went into space. If he, if he did go into space, I think <laughs> at least he went into orbit, but, um, Which purportedly then went. It was, I believe it was one of the Apollo missions, Apollo, one of the later ones, Apollo 15. Was, he the, was he the guy that said that um, 
as he's gone around the back side of the moon that Santa does exist? <laughs> I, I don't think that one was him. Uh, but that's the kind of thing we're talking about. So Santa, uh, apparently, if you watched this footage uh, of the astronauts uh, on going around the moon, Santa is kind of their code word to mean that there's, uh, there's something strange flying around. Hmm. Hmm. Well, yeah. there's definitely something strange flying around. Otherwise, the whole topic wouldn't exist. <laughs> I'm not sure if I buy into that. That's enough. That's enough for me. <laughs> I mean, lots of strange stuff happens. But... No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I agree, I agree with that. There's uh, there's something strange happening, but what it is, nobody really knows. Yeah. Cool. Uh, there's also a lot of interesting uh, Larry King interviews with um, officers uh, from military bases and, and astronauts. Uh, it seems like Larry King is one of the few American journalists who actually wants to investigate things. The annoying thing about these interviews is he always gets on a token skeptic. Um, one time he got on Bill Nye, the science guy, and sometime one time he just got a big fat neck beard. I'm not sure what inspired him to do that. But the, <laughs> the, um, the thing is, it's kind of weird because normally the people he gets on as skeptics actually have no idea about the subject matter. Like you think they want to read up a bit about it first, um, but they, they come with the most simplistic uh, explanations. Like I remember there's a piece where Bill Nye is like, Oh, would you, okay, you saw something, but that doesn't mean there's aliens. And the, the other guys are like, yeah, what? okay, we didn't say there was aliens, so why are you bringing that up? <laughs> like, that's not relevant to the evidence at all. <laughs> uh, that's kind of what we agreed to before we started yeah. this episode, that we think we're talking about unidentified flying anomalies, nothing <laughs> to do with aliens. <laughs> I think we mentioned aliens about six billion times at least over nine thousand. it's just easy it's just it's an easy way to go uh, it's yeah i'm pretty sure it's aliens <laughs> yeah yeah well it's yeah like i said the the extraterrestrial hypothesis is a reasonable hypothesis compliance with the evidence so cool uh we'll, we'll read the report and we'll uh we'll have, i don't know i'll give you more of a uh an investigated point of view rather than yeah, yeah. talk let's, aliens. Let's read the Project Blue Book and see what we come up with about that because I think that's going to yield some interesting results. Homework. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, my name's Kurt Robertson. And my name's Aaron Battle. This has been The Paradise Paradox. Press like, press subscribe. Uh, jump onto Facebook and press like there too. Excuse me. Make sure you press uh, get notifications on Facebook so it comes up you don't uh, out. In, as a notification because otherwise you might not know what super cool things we are doing. And subscribe on iTunes and on Pocket Casts and have a good one. Follow us on Twitter. Yep. Do Twitter that. too, at Trouble Bubble. At Battle AZ. Peace. Oh, I forgot to say wash hushing gong. <laughs> Do you want to say it now or chop it in? Wash hushing gong. Tiempo de nacer y tiempo de morir. Tiempo de nacer y tiempo de morir.